Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. I was so happy when we sang He's a Good, Good Father today because, you know, that's one of the best songs that was ever written about our Heavenly Father. And I wish I had written the song. I really do. I wish I could have, you know, come up with that because that's how I feel. Uh, and you probably wish you could, too, because it's such, uh, it's such a good song because our Heavenly Father loves us so much. He really does. And he's a good, good father. And I get excited because I'm his child and I'm not so sure I'm not one of his favorites. Because the way he treats me. But he's no respect of a person. We are all special. But you got to know who you are because you'll, before you'll ever feel it. When I think about the song, He's a Good, Good Father, I think about my, my father. I had a great experience with my earthly father and uh, his unconditional love that he had for me and he showed me. And I know that there's many people here in this building didn't have a good father. You know, when we have Mother's Days, it's the same way. There's some that do and some that don't or didn't have close relationships. But, but the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he adored his father and how he didn't do anything without the approval of his father. His father was so good. And so that is our example. And, and uh, I'm thankful that I happen to have a good father. He talked, but he walked his talk. He was a talker. I mean, he could preach to anybody at any time, anywhere, and he loved it. And he talked about the father he talked about his relationship with jesus and he wanted you filled with the holy spirit you know why because he was an early bird person about two or three o'clock in the morning he would get up and he would get somewhere when i was a little child he would be out in the church and he would be praying he had such an experience with god that he had to talk about the father he had to talk about his relationship with the lord jesus christ he couldn't help himself that's what god wants if you want his presence see i live in a household that seemed uh, a tug this way and a tug that way, but it was the presence of God as a young child that changed me and caused me to want the presence of God, want the spirit of the Father in my life. And that's what we're all hungry for. That is what God is wanting to do again across this land. You should be jealous. We should be jealous that there's revival going on in another church and we're not experiencing it yet. You should want it so bad that you begin to pray and say, God, Solid Rock wants a revival. I'm going to spend some time on my knees. I'm going to spend some time praying. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to crucify the self and the flesh and everything that I want to do. And I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to cause this flesh to stop and seek time in your presence. Father is a pronoun most used in the Bible to express the, uh, the identify identity of God. And we know that. Uh, and often throughout the old Testament, he was called the, the, Excuse me, I'm sorry about this. We, we sing, and then I, my voice is like everybody else's right now. It's a little scratchy. But he was, uh, he was referred to as the God of your fathers. And we hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, we hear about that more than anything. Uh, the Old Tes Testament, because God made connections himself with his children through their fathers. And the fathers, I've always said, you know, I'm thankful to God that he created me and made me a woman, that I get to be a wife. I'm glad I get to be a woman. 
And I'm so thankful for that. And one of the reasons, and I mean, there's a lot of reasons that I am glad I'm a woman. But I, I honor the man because what a responsibility that a man has to God for himself, for his home, and for the covering that God. See, God believes that you can handle it, men, or he wouldn't have put it on you. You are the one that's to cover your household. You're the one that says, uh-uh, devil, you are not going to take my wife. You're not going to take my children. You're not going to destroy my home. You're not going to cause sickness and death to come in the, in the doors. You're not going to cause my children to be out there and not come back. There is such a responsibility of the father. The father is to be honored and to be referenced. And in this day and time that we're living in, he's not respected very much. He's made fun of all the time. And it's a sad thing. And I understand it's because there's so many deadbeat fathers that they have children and they don't even call them. They have nothing to do with them. They don't uh, honor the children and therefore the children don't don't honor them back. But God is saying, I want my men to stand up because I've placed honor on you. I've placed something that only you can do. It's not the woman's job. It's the man's job to rule over his house. What does ruling mean? Does that mean that you're going to be the boss? You're going to tell her everything to do? No, it doesn't because you're also, she's out of your flesh. You two are one, but ruling means I'm going to let, I'm going to tell the devil that there's a no on the store uh, on the door hell no you can't have my wife hell no you can't have my children no 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 you cannot because I'm going to stand in my place and there's something about your place that the enemy is terrified of fathers that's why he distracts so many fathers with the things of the world because he keeps them busy. He keeps them agitated. He keeps them, their perspective, not admiring, not loving their children, taking care of their children, admiring their wife and taking care of their wife. And wives, we need to honor these men in our house. I love my husband. I honor him as the priest of my household and as the father of this church. And when a husband knows who he is, he's never threatened. I do not threaten Daryl Rhodes. He knows that I love him. He knows that I respect him. And he trusts me. See, if your relationship is right, you trust each other. He trusts me with the things of God. But I'm so thankful for the fathers in this room. God says... In his word, I am the God your father believed in. I am the God your father had a relationship with. I am the God who established your father to be the leader and ruler over your household. It was God that did it. Fatherhood is a big deal. It's not just having a child out there somewhere. Being a father is a big deal to God. He set it up that way. You fathers are absolutely wanted and needed. We're so proud of you. And I thank God for you. Every one of you, you are called in this life for a purpose, to be example. There's many of you that maybe will never father a child, but you still have a place 
You are still to cover the mothers. You're still to cover the grandmothers. You're still to cover those around to protect. Don't let somebody bully that woman in your household. Don't let somebody do things they shouldn't. You protect that woman because God gave you that authority to be the protector, to take care of. Authority starts over when marriage begins. Isn't that interesting? Because before a son gets married... In, in Genesis, the first reference of an institution for uh, instruction for, for, for the father to his son was that a newly married couple to leave his father and cleave unto his wife. It's interesting. Now, this was not something that was given to the wife. It was given to the son. I thought that was interesting, too. I did the same thing. I went, hmm. But it's to the son. And the reason is, the young, because Genesis 2.24, let's read it real quick. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Now, I know that sometimes when it references a son or a man, it's talking plural, male, female, because he made, you know, I always tell when I'm doing marriage counseling and they come in and, and I say, Look at your other side. Sitting right across from you or next to, she and he, you are one when you get married. Your union now is one. So that's the other part of you that you were missing when you in, in, go into covenant with God. And so there is, those, there, there is that. But this particular verse says, Therefore shall a man leave his mother, father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This young man, and the reason for that, formerly, he was under the constant supervision of his father. If a father's doing what he's supposed to be doing, he is there when there's questions, when there's needs. He still helps that son, no matter how old he is, but it, the roles begin to change. It begins to, because he's the, the young man is moving into a position corresponding to the one that his father previously occupied. Isn't that something, how God sets it up? Because you know what this is? It begins to, it gets us into generations. And that's what fatherhood does. And so eventually that young man is carrying all of the responsibility, all the loads of authority that he had seen his father bear. So that becomes a natural thing to him is to be that role model that his father was, that he had occupied. And I know that there are many today that are not able to relate to the spirit of a true father. And, but you know, I've many, many times we've had young men to come into our church and there will be older gentlemen in the church and they will testify and they will tell you that they watched the older men. The older men spoke into their life. What a responsibility you have to be a man. Because there's those young men that come in here that don't have a dad. There's those young men that have not had examples. And would you, older men, all of you, if you're a father, begin to look around. And there are young men and young women that need father relationships to act rightly and to teach them the ways of the Lord. One of God's great intention to establish himself as a father was when Abraham was, command, was to command his children after the ways of God. He was to instruct them. How much time is given in the house to instruct your children in the ways of the Lord? I know if there's not a man in the house that will do it, then women, you should be doing it. 
But men, thank you for instructing your children in the ways of the Lord. So many times we think that all of their instructions should be on how to read, how to write, how to learn in school and all, everything that the teachers are telling them or somebody else. But that's not what the Word of God says. You teach your own children the ways of the Lord. That was the first commandment that he gave to Abraham. And when God instructed him to go to Mount Moriah, remember that story? Uh, Isaac's survival, I can't even imagine. I love the story, and I know I can't really get into storytelling today, which I love to do when I'm preaching, but, but I can just so see Abraham taking his son. Now, he had spent many, many days with his son, instructing him and teaching him, and he's going to sacrifice, build, make a sacrifice. And Isaac looks around, and he says, where is the sacrifice. And his father then just keeps on uh, being busy, you know, building the fire. And he says, God will provide, provide. Isaac's fame and his fortune was his father's inheritance. His importance came from his father. See, we wonder why the world is messed up because fathers don't know how important they are. You are so important. We need you desperately to be who God asks you to be. And so many times we think, well, I can't get them to do this. I can't do that. We start with love. We love them so much, so unconditionally that when they're afraid or when they're struggling, we put our arms around them. We let them know that with God, everything's going to be all right. The weaker vessel, what's a weaker vessel? God knew that women were going to operate in their soulish realm more than a man would. And that she needed that covering. She needed that hug that says, it's going to be okay. It's all right. How many times are we walking in the roles that God has called us to be and called us to do? Jacob got in line for that blessing because of his importance coming from his father. Jacob knew the value of Grandpa Abraham's good standing with God. And he knew that Father Isaac was the only one, who, Father Abraham was the only one who could give it to him. We know the story. Remember the story of how Jacob needed a wife. And so the time came, and we know that he got a wife, and we know that he had children, and we know that life kept going on. And there came a time where Jacob, after his father Abraham, and all the lineage goes through, there came a time when there was a great famine in the land. And there was a young man in the word of God named Joseph, and that was the son of Jacob. And Joseph is one of the beloved stories of the Bible. We all know that. And Jacob, he spoke, well, the Lord spoke to Israel, called him Israel then. I am God, the God of your father. Fear not to go down to Egypt because, you know, they weren't supposed to go to Egypt because that, that was not their place. That was not their homeland. For I will make of thee a great nation. He said, don't be afraid to go down. And so many times, because we talk ourselves out of things, we do not get what God wants for us. Fathers, 
Learn the voice of God. Learn what God is speaking to you, and then don't get moved off of it. Don't be afraid, because God has a plan that he wants to work through you and for you and for your children. And so this was a, a continuation of Abraham covenant that could only be fulfilled when the old man looked upon Joseph in the courts of Pharaoh. After Joseph had been exalted, we all know that Joseph was, went in the pit. We've heard that story. And then he goes and he, now he's in Egypt and now he's, you know, he's found favor. Even that's what happens in life. Men of God find favor. They just keep going and God gives them favor even in rough times. And so here was Joseph and, and he had been exalted to the second chariot in the kingdom. And he had the ring of authority on his finger and the wisdom of God in his mind and in his lips. Hey, this, this dude, he'd been through something. Fathers go through something. Sons go through something. It's not always easy in your life, but you just keep pushing through. You just keep showing up. You just keep loving on your children. You just keep doing what God has asked you to do. And here was Joseph, and he'd had heartbreak after heartbreak up to this time. But all of a sudden, they're in a famine. And this famine tells us Jacob and Joseph's story. And the evidence of the Father's glory is in the Son. Your sons and your daughters are going to carry what has been in you. That's why it's so important that it's a good thing. And it's so important that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior because even though maybe we didn't have a good father, maybe you didn't have that experience, the blood of Jesus Christ sets you free. A new royal blood flows through your vein. But in the Old Testament, when they were here, and just hang on with me just for a few minutes because we're trying to get a lot in here. But here is a continuation of Abraham's covenant. So after Joseph found his place, and only when Jacob found himself looking into the eyes of the son who had reached his own maturity and statue, was the old, did the old man realize that this is where God always intended him to be. Sometimes things don't happen the way we think they're going to happen, but it's so important of what we put of value into those that's around us. Fathers, you are so very important. God has designed that the glory of the Father is not in the amount of money that he accumulates or the natural successes that he has in life. That's not what it's all about. Thank you for being providers. Thank you for taking good care of your family because that's something that you want to do if you are a godly man. Even men that don't know Jesus Christ, that is maybe they were raised up by a father that well protected them and took care of them and made sure that all their needs were met. That is just something that the ruler of the house gets to do. They get to rule over. But your main thing that you get to do is rule over the powers of darkness. That's the thing that we miss in our teaching. Because it's much easier to let somebody else pray. It's much easier to let somebody else figure it out. Now, I know that you got smart wives. You got good wives. But I'm telling you, the more that you cover her in prayer, the more that you tell the devil no, I'm telling you, the sweeter she'll get. Because you'll be able to love her right. You'll love her with the eyes and the spirit of the Father. 
You'll see her through the eyes of what God wants her to be because you're allowing God to flow in through you to make you who you should be. God doesn't make mistakes. His plan works. Jacob didn't get the deed to the promised land. Isn't that interesting? He was going to the promised land, but he never made it. He died in Egypt. And he didn't know that his return to the promised land would be in a coffin. That's kind of a sad story when you think about it. Paul said in Hebrews that many of the great saints of all ages have faced their dying days without ever having received the promised land that they were looking for. It's interesting, isn't it? Genesis 37.1 says that Jacob dwelled in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. When they lived in Egypt, they were strangers, but God turned their situation around and brought the family back together. Wow, now was that ever a story? You need to read, you need to read the story if you don't know it. It is such a great story because the father had grieved over his son that had been left in a pit by jealous brothers, by mean-hearted ones, but fathers don't give up on their sons or their daughter that seems to be lost forever. Don't give up on those relationships that you think, I've been a terrible father. I could never undo the past. No, you cannot undo the past, but God can make such a change in you for today on that those sons and daughters around you are going to be totally different. God can bring glory out of the famine of your life in a land that seems to have no promise for your child or for you. And we've seen many different things that have brought famines upon the lives in our schools. We've seen the many different things that's brought famines upon the lives of home. So much trouble and so much problems. But I I can tell you, I don't understand God's reasons of why Jacob did not see the deed to the Canaan land in his lifetime. I only know that God does everything well. I know that God doesn't finish on Jacob's times. He'll, if he doesn't get it done then, he'll finish on another time. I remember my dad, he just wanted to, he preached to everybody. And when Daryl and I began to go overseas and he, he would say, oh, I'd like to go with you. And oh, would we like to have taken him with us? I don't think there's one translator that could have ever kept up with him. But, but he was so full of the power of God. And he wanted, he wanted so badly to keep touching people, keep reaching them. And he would say, I know that God's going to do a work in my day and your day that we can't even imagine it over and over. And he had an expectancy. Don't ever lose the expectancy because see, I know that Daryl and I are a little bit older than our children because that's just how it happens. We're a little bit older than them, but I believe that there is something that's going to be imparted to them and maybe we don't get it all finished, but they're going to pick it up and they're going to keep taking it on. And their children are, that's the whole plan. That's God's plan. And if we father and we mother our generation, our family's right. It's amazing what God can do. Mm. God told Jacob, 
Joseph shall put his hand upon your eyes. Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting that this is the way it ended. It was customary for the nearest of kin to close the eyes and kiss the corpse of the loved one at death. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? And the son that seemed lost forever, he got to do that. God was performing a ceremony of crowning glory for Israel when he arranged for Joseph to do this special task. It wouldn't be Judah. It wouldn't be Benjamin. It wouldn't be Ishkar or Reuben, whom he loved dearly. It wouldn't be any of the daughters or the skeptics or the jealous ones, the critical ones that couldn't be happy that the little brother still had a dream, the ones that were so mad. It would be the father's glory to see God mightily use the very one that he invested so much in, had tediously made a cult of love for. Remember, the God. I told you, I feel like I'm one of God's favorites, and you should too, because he makes me many coats. He makes me pretty many provisions, because that's who he is. He's a good, good father. He's a personal father. When I worship, I worship to my Jesus. He's mine. When I talk to the Father God, he's my Father. The Spirit of God that lives in me, he's very personal. He's Holy Spirit inside of me. And he teaches me. I've been to the school of the Spirit. I haven't graduated from other schools, but I've been I'm still not graduated out of the school of the Spirit, but I attend. I show up all the time, and you can too. That's what God wants for us. His, his son, Joseph, the one he loved, the one he rebuked, the one whose dreams caused him to observe his sayings, the one he wept for, the one that he thought he'd lost forever. Does it make you think about the prodigal son, you know? Father just kept waiting. By the will of God, this very boy would be the one standing by Israel's bedside when he died. Isn't that something? That he was the one that was there that closed his eyes. Joseph will be the one to kiss him goodbye. The last one that his daddy's going to see before he leaves the earth. It would have been good to see the promised land. It would have been good to take possession and really own the title to divide it among all the children. But Israel's joy and his crowning glory is not going to be the promised land. It's going to be his son, Joseph. Do you know where this is going? Not everything, fathers, that are you going to get to finish. Your children, if we teach them, they're going to keep going. While Jacob is riding in his grave, his boy is going to get glory from God. Jo Joseph, as you read on, you'll find out that he lays hands on his sons, and he anoints them, and he teaches them the ways of God. He's building something for an entire nation, not just for his children. You're not building just for your children, Father. You're, fathers, you're building for grandchildren. You're building for the uh, nieces and nephews. You're building for something greater than you are because the glory of God is to multiply. The greatest thing a father can ever accomplish is to 
perpetuate the will of God to his children and in his children. Because God was with Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Isn't it something? The relationship of God the Father and his son Jesus is so interesting. Isaiah spoke of Jesus Christ the Messiah and declared that his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. But Jesus could not and would not move in out of himself. He still, you know, Lou still calls pastor and ask him questions. Joey still calls dad and asks questions. Sons in the church, they still call and ask him questions. And that's because they're learning, still learning. Jesus said, I'm not just a mirror of my father. Even though I mirror him, I do what he tells me to do because the Son of Man can do nothing within himself. But it's what the Spirit of God, what my Father tells me. But the Father is working in me. He, in one place, he says, my Father works and I work. Isn't that good? My Father worketh and I work. When he works, I work. I've learned him. I'm doing what I've been taught When you have seen the Father, you have seen me, Jesus said. You know, it's interesting, the, the patriarchs back when, you know, they used like, uh, you would say, Max, the son of Lou. Or you'd say, Lou, the father of Max. That was how they were known in their tribes. That's how they were known. When, when you read, uh, you know, the generations and chronologically, that's how, that's how it was. The sons are so important to the father. When Jesus had to leave the earth, we look at his life in the, and see that he has such love and adoration for the father that he wanted to do exactly what needed to be done for you and I. And he did it. He did it for us. I'm glad he didn't back out. I'm glad that he said, I can't do this. I'm glad that he didn't leave the garden. I'm glad that when the soldiers came for him, that he didn't collapse and run or hide or call for the angels to come and get him out of here. I can't do this. I'm so thankful but he knew that the Father loved him and that the plan would work. I'm telling you, if we will learn to go with the plan of God, it will work in our household. Jesus was embodied by everything his father's was. As a child, remember how he annoyed his parents when he said, I'm, I'm here. I had to stay behind to be about my father's work. This is what I do. The glory of the father Moses that wanted to see the ancient days could not be seen until the day that he stood on the Mount uh, Transfiguration and looked at the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Father is the spirit of unselfishness. And fathers, that's the spirit that God wants to rest on your life. To rest, you're not selfish. You have no problem sharing 
You have, it's not about you, it's about those that you're covering. It's about those that you care about, the spirit of the Father. Things that I'm experiencing, my father only dreamed about, but he did dream. We were blessed as a family to have a patriarch who walked the walk that he talked. And I would encourage every father here today that has a son or a daughter, they may seem lost, but I'm telling you what, it's not too late. It's never too late with God. Don't give up. You may have felt like you failed with them. Don't give up. Now's a good time. I shared before many times how my dad prayed for my brother, and it seemed like the more that, and Paul, I hope you're listening today, the more that he prayed for Paul, it seems like the harder he got. But he just kept praying, and one of the last conversations that I had with my dad, he still believed that Paul would be a preacher. He still believed, and I'm telling you, Paul may never stand behind a pulpit, but he preaches everywhere he goes. He does. He preaches the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone that will listen. And he prayed for him all the time. He didn't live to see my brother saved and baptized. But he knew that it was going to happen. And so sometimes we analytically, we think it's not going to happen because we can't see it, but it is. Worship team, would you come? The father of this house, Pastor Daryl Rhodes, is a good, good father. Not only to our natural children, he has three children that he's been a really good father to besides his own two. And I'm grateful for this man. I'm grateful for the love that he shares. And I want to encourage every one of you that's in this house that you can have the spirit of the Father upon you. Daryl Rhodes has the spirit of the Father upon him, and it's not just because he's a pastor. It's because he understands that God gave him a responsibility And he's fulfilling that to the best of his ability. He's not perfect. I know that you want me to tell you is, but he's close. There are literally thousands who have sat under the sound of his voice. Many thousands. Many, many thousands. Maybe not in Jerusalem. Maybe not even in Judea but in the other parts of the world. And Daryl, because of your tenacious love for God in this house, and you stood the test of time, thank you. Forty-five years. And he still watches for the sons and daughters that have been that are out there, not living like they should, mad at somebody or hurt or something. He's still watching for them to come back. Larry Brees, I don't know if you're listening today, but what an exciting day when you come home. I 
I'm grateful he didn't give in and give up, but continue to stay faithful to the call of God on his life. I'm glad that he saw the gifts and talents within me, and he trusted me to preach the word of God. Thank you. Women around the world would not be, had it not been for him being my head, my covering. He put me out there in front of bishops. One of my first things was preaching to 50 bishops who know. I mean, this was one group. They just knew everything. They did. They'd been, I'd only been to the School of the Spirit. And they'd all, they've all been out of, had PhDs and all kinds of Ds and Ps and all that kind of stuff. And I only had the School of the Spirit. And he put me in front of them to preach a message. of mending the net in a country that needed the net mended so much. Had he not known who he was. See, fathers, you could change another nation by building and training and loving your children. And not just in your household, but those that you come in contact, be the man. Because they're seeing everything else. My God, they're seeing everything else. Be the man that we all need so desperately. Be that person. The heart of the Father helped me, form me into the day to the woman that I am today, the heart of my earthly father and the heart of Daryl's father. Sons and daughters are looking for fathers that will open their arms of compassion. My daddy loved me unconditionally. I embarrassed him. He was a preacher. I lived with shame for so many years, but he was the one when I got pregnant out of wedlock that put his arms around me and said, honey, God loves you and I love you. I'll raise this child as my own. I'm not worried about anybody else. I want you to be okay. That's the heart of a father. I know this is not my typical getting up. I love preaching. I love preaching message. Father's Day messages and other kind of message. Mother's Day, Christmas, those are all hard. You don't guys don't know how hard those messages are. Easter and But see, we got to know, we got to do some returning back to the place of honor and respect for the house of God, for your own house. Respect for everywhere you go and fathers lead us. We need you. I thank God for strong women, but this is not this is not Mother's Day or Woman's Day. This is about men in your place. Don't fail us. We need you so badly to be the men, godly men. We need you to pray. We need some men prayer warriors. I thank God for the seven women that were here and praying down the power of God on Tuesday. But I tell you what, men, we need some prayer warriors. Call a prayer meeting on Saturday morning or something, but pray for us. Give up some time because the real men of God are not selfish.
We want a move of the Spirit. Would you, men, would you pray? Would you cover us with your prayers? There's mamas that are raising their children alone in this house, and they need some godly men that'll pray. And say, I pray for all those families that don't have mothers or fathers in the home or fathers that won't be loving and kind and cut because they're only considered, they're only thinking about what they want and what they need. We can't change our yesterdays. But we can start from today. We have a good, good father that wants his presence to be daily experiences. Brenda, I'm hungry for a move of God. I believe he'll come. If you don't know Jesus in this house today, and this, I know this has been a different message for me. I had to do everything in a different way because we've been upside down and whatever. Amazed that I got anything out. But one thing I'm not amazed of is the presence of the Spirit of God. I'm never amazed. But utterly enjoy it in amazement. Stand to your feet. Let's say, good, good Father. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, and you want to make him your Lord, your master, please come. Or if you just want to, to be in his presence this morning for a few moments. And invite you just to come and enjoy his presence. Maybe some of you need to say, I want to start. I want to do better from this day on. I see what my family needs. And if you are the head of the household and you're the mother, let the spirit of the father work inside of you. Thank you for your word, oh God. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Loved by you. It's who I am. I told you, I'm one of his favorites. And I was a mess up. <laughs> out to him perfect in all of your ways to us good who you are who you are who you are love it's who I am 
who I am. Take us personally. Sing it one more time. Let's sing that part again, guys. Sing to him. Make declaration. Who you are, loved by you. Who I am. Who I am. Who I am. Good Father, who you are. Who you are. Who you are. I'm you, it's who I am, who I am, who I am. I ask as many of you as possible, get on YouTube and watch the videos of Revival and ask God, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray God just put such a passion on you. You can hardly stand it for his presence. I'm telling you that watching them can stir you up and the spirit of the Father can get on you, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you bring it back to the house of God. You keep bringing it back. You get in your closet and you pray. You keep letting him be so close. You're so close to him. He never went anyway. We got to draw near to him. He's there. He's waiting for you. Father, I thank you for these people today. I thank you for working in lives and hearts today. God, I thank you for every father present and even those that weren't present today. I pray for those that's listening by Facebook. I pray for them. I pray, oh God, that you minister God, that may be something in this message. Father, would ignite their spirit to not waste any days. But they're going to be the best husband, the best father, the best brother, the best friend. Because they have the spirit of the Father upon them. And I thank you for it, Father. Thank you for healing and wholeness in people's life. And God, I thank you that you're going to touch people Wherever they're at, God, that they're going to, as they reach out to you, I pray that a spirit of revival would come upon them. What's a spirit of revival? It's a spirit of repentance. Starts with repentance. God, I pray that that spirit of revival will get a hold of every hungry soul that's listening by Facebook, every hungry soul that is listening in this house. God, that they will dare to draw away by themselves, dare to get in your presence and allow you to do exactly what you want to do in their lives. I thank you for it, for igniting the fire of prayer, repentance through prayer, and then intercession, God, for what you want for their homes and their families and their church and their nation. And we thank you for it. Sing it one more time. Thank you for joining us today at At the Table with Darlene. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at darlenesolidrock at gmail.com. Let us know any topics you would like to hear from At the Table. You can also check us out 
at darleneroads.org. Also at wawministries.org. Thanks again for joining us at At the Table with Darlene.